0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway.
1: Today's guest is a friend of mine who I've known since my days back in Melbourne. She's an integrative naturopath and functional medicine practitioner with over 15 years clinical experience. Her approach is evidence-based, incorporating the most up-to-date and clinically relevant naturopathic philosophies and functional medicine strategies. She has a special interest in the area of integrative oncology, and she's had extensive international training in this field, and she takes on clients who are living with cancer. Yep. Today, we're talking about the big C, what to do if you get it, how to assist others who have it, and where to go for information that's accurate, reliable, and up-to-date. I know this can be a very big topic, so strap yourself in as we're going to cover a lot of territory today. Please welcome to the show one of my favorite go-to practitioners, the wonderful and very knowledgeable Carla Wren.
0: Woo! (laughs) Thank you. thank Jules. Thanks for having me. That sounds very impressive, if I do say so myself.
1: No, no pressure, hon.
0: Yeah, hopefully I can fulfill those expectations.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can. Carla, can you tell me a little bit first up about your practice and what you do?
0: Yeah, great. So I, um, I own a Peninsula Herbal Dispensary in um, Mornington uh, in Victoria and we have a number of practitioners there, um, including kinesiologists and um, psychologists. Uh, we encourage each practitioner to niche and um, in my practice, uh, as you mentioned, I do oncology, uh, autoimmune and I love the complex cases.
1: Yeah, you are actually one of my genius go-to friends sometimes when I have an interesting or complex case myself. So I want to know a little bit first up about this whole term functional medicine because I, I know that's your niche and a lot of people won't even know what that means. So what does the term functional medicine actually imply?
0: Yeah, so functional medicine I guess is a term that's coined out of the States where there are um, organisations, mostly um, Institute of Functional Medicine and some and some smaller break-off ones, um, that are looking at ways that um, standard medical practitioners can become a little bit more like us as naturopaths. So I guess there's some suggestion that perhaps um, they're very similar and I would agree to that, uh, except what I found most interesting and why I went and studied with them is it's a bit more of a systems orientated approach. So they still look at the underlying causes of diseases just like we were trained to and do every day as naturopaths but um, it Delves a little bit deeper and places a system in place that looks at timelines and um, the whole body, perhaps in a slightly different way. It delves a bit more into environmental factors, um, things within the home, uh, and uh, chemicals and pollutants, and then uh, helps you break down where to begin in those complex cases. So, very much like naturopathy, um, but a bit more systematic, which I find works really well for me when I'm dealing with people who have multiple diagnoses um, and knowing where to start rather than getting stuck. In that symptomatic treatment uh, that a lot of naturopaths may do when they get faced with a really big case.
1: And is it a bit more evidence-based as well?
0: Uh, It's definitely encouraging more evidence-based. I guess the um, founders of functional medicine and particularly the Institute of Functional Medicine where I did some study uh, are generally GPs uh, or even specialists. Some of the most notable ones are cardiologists and other other specialists, and they're looking for um, a way to really um, build their practice while thinking holistically within a very scientific model. So, yeah, I I would say it is is focusing on being a bit more evidence-based, but I think in Australia with our um, extended ability to use other herbs and our knowledge as naturopaths, we can really add to that. Um, so, I find blending the two gives a good way of dealing with complex diseases as well as having all the wonderful tools that we have as naturopaths that perhaps the GPs um, and specialists who are practicing functional medicine in the States may not have access to or understand like we do.
1: Yeah, so you've all, you, you just touched upon cardiology as as one of the health issues that functional medicine, you know, can can focus on. So I know there's lots of different health issues that you could have chosen to have a special interest in. Why cancer? What's what's your interest there?
0: Yeah, I think everyone expects me to have had some personal uh, journey in this. And although my mum has had bowel cancer, it was a long time ago, and she was um, had a very early stage and very successful results with minimal intervention. And She made a lot of dietary changes. Um, My interest really came about after having four years off um, for maternity leave, uh, and I felt like in those four years, I had forgotten everything and my brain had turned into some type of baby mush. (laughs) So I started to read, um, and um, being the person I am, I thought I would take on the big C, cancer, um, because I saw so much interesting information about ways we could make um, little and big changes to um, support patients who are um, going through that cancer journey.
1: Yeah, because it can be a bit of a scary one as a natural medicine practitioner, can't it? Because I I know there's plenty of naturopaths out there who are like, I will not touch the big sea with a barge pole.
0: Yeah, and I kind of have varying feelings of that. I I think I um, have done a lot of reading. I'm a very passionate practitioner as far as I live and breathe this. Um, My family will say I constantly have my nose in something um, Hmm. because I really do love it. But um, So I think you sometimes need that level of interest to be able to understand all the interactions. The last thing any of us want to do is to cause any um, damage to treatment that, that the patient has chosen to go, whether it be natural or alternative or a combination of both. Um, So I I do, while encouraging more practitioners to go into the area because, you know, the statistics say there's an endless number of people who need our help, um, you know, go cautiously, um, get a mentor or, or, you know, look at some ways to to learn some more before we just dive in. Um, It's not like diving into a, um, you know, someone with the flu. Things can go wrong much easier.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, Let's just uh, put ourselves in the patient's shoes for just a minute. If someone's been diagnosed with cancer, what's the very first thing they should do?
0: Uh, Take a deep breath is probably the very first thing. Um, And I I always encourage people, whether they have, um, well, with any diagnosis, to find out as much as they can about what's going on for them. And, you know, in that shock and, um, you know, trauma kind of stage where you're initially diagnosed, particularly if someone's young, I spend a lot of time with women who have breast cancer, um, a lot of them in their very early 30s, um, who are thinking they're on a mission. I've had one recently who was, you know, on the journey to create this beautiful baby with IVF and discovered in that process that she had breast cancer and it was, you know, in, in an advanced stage. So, you know, there's quite often that trauma. Um, you know, we, we take a step back, take that breath and, you know, maybe with a loved one um, or, or a support person, begin to learn as much as you can about your diagnosis and, and ask as many questions as you can from the people who are initially on your care team. Uh, and then, um, you know, use, use reputable sources to do that. We don't want to, you know, good old Dr. Google. We want to look <laughs> at some of the more reliable um you know, sites like uh, things like the Better Health Channel that the government provides, has some good really basic um, medical information. Um, and and again, you know, continue asking questions to learn more about what's going on for themselves. Ask about the tests they're having. Um, and, you know, particularly in situations like breast cancer, speaking to people like the McGrath Breast Care Nurse, we're very fortunate to have a great one where I live, um, and, and open up that conversation to learn more about what their diagnosis is, and then to begin to find out where they're they need help to learn more and, and move in the direction they want to move in.
1: Do you think there's any questions that uh, people should specifically be asking their oncologist? Because you don't get very much time with them, so you kind of time is of the essence. You need mm. to go in kind of prepared.
0: Mm. Um, yeah look I think it's very very challenging because you know I have people who don't want to know anything about what's going on and they also don't want to share anything with their family and loved ones um, right to the people who are now I sometimes think know more than more than me when they come into my to my consult room um, but definitely finding out about um, all the different treatment options um, you know I'm really um, often asked about what would I do in the situation if I, I was in their situation and, and then this was the options and I think it really comes down to using the one for facilities that are available to the oncologists to tell you what is the chance of um, improved life expectancy um, or, or, or time, which is how they talk. Um, using different treatments so you know like recently we had a case where a lady's life expectancy would be increased over a five to seven year period by 40 percent if she did this treatment but only by an extra two percent if she did this other treatment so then they have a better idea whether or not they want to take on that extra treatment in this case it was chemo so that chemo is going to come with lots of side effects um, and she needed to decide um, herself uh, whether or not she wanted to take on that treatment um, given that it was a two percent increase uh, in life expectancy, um, and and I play no part in that situation. I just think it's a really good uh, question for for you to know. Uh, some oncologists will offer up that information, and some you really have to dig a little bit to get that.
1: Yeah, right. I like how you also mentioned Doctor Google. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. Yes. laughs> and the
1: internet yeah. is full of people yeah. promising to cure cancer naturally, mm. which scares the pants off me, yeah. um, looks so much of what is out there is totally shonky and mm. it's scary. And what scares me that people believe it, because in a mm. lot of cases you kind you of only get one shot at getting this right. Um, You mentioned the Better Health Channel. Where else should people go for reliable information? And also, like, when we do come across something on the internet, how can we tell the difference between good advice and just complete snake oil?
0: Yeah, I really do look, um, is it, is it referenced? Um, obviously, there are pros and cons to using the, um, you know, looking at the research that's been done as far as herbs and, and nutrients in oncology uh, in those double-blind placebo gold standard trials. But if um, if a site is referenced with a good journal or, or feeds back to something that's reliable, then I think it has a bit more credibility. If it's um, a particular practitioner or, or someone who's had cancer or, you know, someone who thinks they know something about it, just having a comment with no background reference, then I'd always be inclined to check that, check that out myself. And and you know, it, it is a bit like diving down the rabbit wire And I think we've all been stuck in that Google trap where you're going from one page to the next to the next to trying to find the original <laughs> source. So, along with the Better Health Channel, which really is you know a, a government initiative, very straightforward and simple, um, I do do tell my patients about um, PubMed, which um, Jules, I'm sure you're very familiar oh, with. you had, yeah. to, do, had <laughs> to do a lot of research through PubMed when we were referencing our. Um,
1: Speaking of rabbit at Warren's. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So um, PubMed, if you don't know, is where all the published medical trials are public, are, are listed and, and searchable. Um, and so I do allow my patients some information about that if they want to start looking into things because I would prefer them to read that kind of information, although that does have some negatives um, to it as well, to, to enable them to have some really good ideas about what is available because, you know, we can proudly say as natural therapies there is lots of research done into this idea of integrative oncology and where we as complementary medicine practitioners can fit into that um, care team environment.
1: Yeah. Now I'm just going to hit you with a couple of the most popular uh, things that I hear around town yeah. of, of what to do when you you find that you've got cancer. Yes. Um, vegan diets and juice cleansers. Comments, yes, I- please. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I I find this one really confusing and and a little bit, um, it it varies very much according to a patient. So it's very much my style not to dive in and completely change their diet, um, particularly in the first consultation. If I've just met someone um, and they're just starting this journey or or they're deep into the journey and perhaps they have a metastatic cancer, um, telling them they need to completely overhaul their diet, which is probably the only thing they think they have stable at the time, um, can sometimes be overwhelming. So I try to meet them where they are. There is a lot of research around the ketogenic diet, particularly in brain cancer. Um, I've found in the past that working with the paleo diet has made significant in, um, changes to my patients' um, pathology results, which I look at to see how they're going as far as inflammatory markers uh, and, and immune response. Um, so, so vegan certainly, juice cleansing certainly for some people. Um, you know, there, there are definitely programs that have lots of history of use in oncology with seemingly positive outcomes. But I think we look at where the patient's um, diet is at and what positive changes we make um, and usually in small steps. And if that if for that um, for them is involving being a vegan, then definitely we I support that. Um, quite often patients come to with an idea of something they want to try because they've done some reading themselves. Um, and I always do try and support that because I have a very strong philosophy about this being their journey, not my journey. I'm just part of the guide on that journey. Um, so, I try to support their ideas as much as possible um, when we're heading in the in the healthier direction.
1: Yeah, and I love that you mentioned you know vegan juice cleansers, um, ketogenic paleo all in that same conversation just then, mm. because I mean I, I know that Mark Hyman says you need to treat the person, not the disease. Mm and the system not just the symptoms and I know you're a fan of his
0: Uh, I love him (laughs) I got to meet him one day I was the biggest fangirl moment but um, yeah look and he really promotes pagan too which is an interesting concept my patients always laugh when we mention it so that is um, you know the paleo vegan idea and I guess that comes from his background in uh, in cardiology and the fact that he's trying to reduce saturated fats and doesn't want his patients having um, too much meat so you know I, I think that if you look at all those diets and when you list them all then I really really think it's looking at those whole health and whole foods, unprocessed, you know, um, local is best, all of those, you know, organic, chemical-free. Those diets tend to have those things in common. So I guess that's where we want to start from trying to change their diet from being perhaps processed cereals and and processed breads and processed meats and processed, you know, pasta sources to being whole food to begin with before we decide which, you know, real diet pathway
1: we're going to stick to if any yeah well that's it and uh, and I always look at a lot of these diets that are all claiming to do the same thing whether it's it's you know helping with cancer or helping with autoimmunity or helping with you know all kinds of like um, chronic and degenerative illnesses quite often it doesn't matter whether you go paleo or vegan or raw food or this or that they're all getting rid of the gluten they're all getting rid of Mm. the dairy they're all getting rid of the cane sugar like you can find some common threads like whole foods Mm. is you know high nutrient dense you know um foods like there's a lot of common threads through a lot of those kinds of styles of eating
0: yes and trying to get that inflammatory marker down and that's where i saw that success with the paleo diet when i initially excuse me started treating patients um while I was waiting to get, I guess, the go ahead or, or feel comfortable with the treatment that I was going to use, um, with regards to the oncologists that I was beginning to, um, perhaps tentatively build relationships with, um, I wouldn't prescribe anything. So, um, the general consensus from not all, but, but many oncologists is, um, when asked, can anything I do to my diet to, to help this um, by a patient? They're usually told no. So I thought, well, they're not going to change this, so I'll have a look at what can what can happen. Um, and so we started to look at markers like um, ESR, which is a erythrocyte sedimentation rate, a marker for chronic inflammation, and saw that dramatically reduce when we just changed the diet to be more paleo um, over a month. Uh, and so that was a real positive change to see, and, and people reported feeling better, having more energy. Um, less digestive issues when maybe they didn't even realize they had digestive issues in the past and definitely less nausea and those kind of symptoms that might go along with those initial um, chemotherapy uh, cycles that they may be doing.
1: Yeah that's awesome that we can now do pathology testing to actually see that what we're doing is having an effect because this is all new to naturopathy really.
0: Yeah yeah and that is a big key for me I say to patients particularly when they come in with some of those things that they've googled um, well you know what do you think it's going to do for you so um i i it's often a question that's hard for the patient to answer because they have just been reading it in lots of different places. And, um, you know, my my reflection back to them is we need to know what we're going to um, expect it to do and how we can measure that. Because if we can't measure it, we don't know if it's working. And as you mentioned, sometimes these people are only getting a, a short time to make a big change to, to their health and maybe their lifetime. Uh, and so we want to know that if we're going to invest our time and money and effort into taking something, um, that it's obviously not going to have interactions and it's going to achieve something and we can see that achievement
1: yeah i love that you mentioned working with uh oncologists and building relationships i feel like the tide is turning i feel Mm. like medical practitioners are becoming more willing to work alongside the naturopaths to achieve the best possible outcome for the patient how has your experience of working with oncologists changed over the last decade how's how are you going with that
0: Um, yeah, look, I feel really, um, really hopeful and inspired and, uh, you know, I can only speak for the ones that I work with down here. Um, and, and I, look, I found their support to be mostly, um, mostly really good, you know, and and often they'll be really interested in what I'm doing and they'll ask for more information about it. I remain very respectful. Um, I think they have one of the hardest jobs going, um, you know, to be in a situation where um, you're responsible for making significant changes to someone's life in their perhaps worst time of their life and dealing with them and their family must be a very overwhelming job. So, just trying to remain really respectful and present what I think is some options. Um, I never go out on a limb too far. Um, I'm always very cautious with my interactions um, and I try to explain to them where I'm coming from. And they really do have interest in ways that we can improve the immune system of our patients, um, certainly um, help with things like neutropenia um, and the fatigue. Um, and then when patients are on some of the um, – you know, treatments like tamoxifen, how we can reduce the side effects like the hot flashes or, you know, low libido or vaginal dryness, which are things that they don't necessarily have an option for, but know their patients are really uncomfortable with.
1: Yeah. What, what if someone gets an oncologist that's not open to this sort of stuff, who's not open to working with naturopaths?
0: Um, yes, yeah, sadly, I think um, one of two things happen and, and it's never a very good outcome. Um, they they miss out on the opportunity to have support and, and quite often the work that I do with the patient is really just trying to use the evidence-based um, research to support them through their treatment. So I'm not going to step on any toes. I'm certainly not telling them not to do anything um, and really we're trying to help what the oncologist is doing, um, whether we're using some adjuvants. So there's actually research on what we can do to um, improve the um, Effectiveness of some of the uh, chemotherapeutics. Um, You know, an example would be with cyclophosphamide, one of the chemotherapeutics often used in breast cancer. Um, We know. Um, from research that if we can um, reduce the insulin resistance of the patient and use PSK, which we use in Australia Australia as um, the medical mushrooms, um, then we can improve the effectiveness of that treatment. So I'm certainly um, not trying to step on their toe. So then the patient won't have access to that um, or um, perhaps even worse, they won't tell their oncologist. Um, And I just think that sets up a whole environment where, um, you know, they don't feel comfortable to take their treatments to hospital if they're in hospital. Um, they're forced to not tell the truth we don't get to see the results as easily Um, and then you know the patient misses out on the opportunity to be able to say to the oncologist these are the things I'm doing to help with my health Um, and this is the kind of changes we've seen happen and I never feel comfortable in that situation
1: yeah yeah it makes it really really difficult for mm. for us to do our work too
0: the other thing is sometimes I'll ask to change and then that's always an awkward conversation because <laughs> um, you know I, I don't want to be involved with that but at the same time uh, I think it's the right of every person to have have someone who's on their team you know and I talk a lot about um, care teams and and it, and it should be a team because I think we, we know in, in you know in business and in life having a group around you to try and get you you know to the best place possible is going to be better than just being with one person
1: oh totally totally and you need different people on that team who offer you know different types of support Mm. too
0: and the oncologists very much know that, you know, uh, some of the work I do is with Cabrini and, and Monash and I was very lucky to be invited to speak at um, a BCNA Breast Cancer Network Australia um, conference that they did uh, looking at metastatic breast cancer um, through those organisations and they do have integrative services in place. Um, they have their um, exercise physiologists and their dietitians uh, and um, psychologists and, and they encourage those kind of t- things. I just think we're the next step and i do feel really good that it probably will happen um but it's just timing and um, legalities and logistics and all of those things that i think are still evolving
1: yeah yeah we're still testing the waters a lot (laughs) yes yes now you mentioned the um the medical mushrooms in relationship with the cyclophosphamide the chemotherapeutic what are some other ways that we can help improve the outcome of the medical treatment
0: Oh, it's actually interesting. The medical mushrooms rate as one of my um, top four. I kind of have a top four thing that I like to use. Uh, And when I am doing presentations to um, oncologists or um, other healthcare members um, or even the public, I talk about these top four and and, um, mushrooms is one of them. And um, I use mostly, um, well, a number of different forms, but but all Australian-based supplements from um, practitioner-only companies. And um, we have a really good supply of mushrooms and and they really um, rate as an adjuvant in a lot of different um, chemos. The taxanes will have um, the, a benefit from them. Um, you know, radiation also will be beneficial from, from the mushrooms. Um, but, you know, turmeric is another one. Um, green tea, uh, withania has a lot of benefits. Um, and then things like fish oils will, will help in some instances too. So there's a lot of things that we can do to increase the effectiveness of the chemo.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're, none of those things are really out there, wacky kind of herbs or anything. Like They're all pretty much readily available.
0: Yes, that's right. And I, I certainly, I sometimes think I, uh, there must be more to it. And I guess, you know, <laughs> the, the research is coming and, and, you know, as as things develop and on government levels um, and perhaps with the TJ, there may be more things that are available to us. But certainly I think we can make big changes in that journey that um, patients are going through with really, you know, sometimes dietary levels of things, but certainly um, everyday kind of supplements that we have access to good quality um, supplies of through um, specifically practitioner-only products but also, I guess, in uh, health food store situations.
1: Yeah. Now, I love how we we touched upon the um – The helping with the side effects of the breast cancer treatment. Um, I was reading one of your flyers and it lists many of the side effects of common cancer treatments. It's actually a pretty long list and a little bit scary and a little bit overwhelming, I guess, for some. But I'm going to read some of them out. Just, I'll just pull out a selection of side effects that that are pretty common. So weight loss, malnutrition, anemia, uh, fatigue, nausea, constipation, diarrhea, Loss of appetite, digestive troubles, uh, lymphedema, poor immunity, pain, uh, radiation burns. So mm. that's pretty scary list. Talk to yeah. me about some of the side effects of cancer treatments. How that we can help with? Like how do we help?
0: Yeah. So when I was formulating that that information. Um, It was because I was asked for it by some breast care nurses and I thought, right, how am I going to write this down really simply? And obviously we wanted to have really evidence-based and evidence-informed treatments when I was putting that together because I think it improves our credibility and I really want to be seen as a credible practitioner um, in this area. And um, so... All evidence-based. So radiation um, treatment, there are a lot of different things that we can do. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned some of the symptoms there with, with regards to the radiation burn. There was a clinical trial done looking at honey, um, using honey and applying it, you know, a, approximately 20 grams um, every three hours for a week, um, depending on the chemo, uh, sorry, radiation length. You might do it for a longer time, but that's what they did in the trial and saw a difference. So, again, that's a pretty simple thing to do. Um, you know topical topical calendula cream was another option manuka honey's also been researched um, when it comes to fatigue, I have a fat, uh, fatigue mix that I really love that's been well researched by a practitioner called Lise Aushla. She is one of my um, inspirations from um, America and Canada as an integrative oncologist. And she talks a lot about with Vania, um, the herb being used to boost energy um, and help with the moods of patients going through um, chemo and radiation. Um, so that's always something we try and incorporate for people too because certainly uh, aside from being perhaps offered um, counselling or um, psychology sessions or using antidepressants there's not a lot that can be done for mood and energy um, from, a, from a medical standpoint so somewhere we can really nicely support the patients and then obviously getting into some of our basic um, naturopathic treatment options like flower essences and perhaps some of the other um, more gentler herbs um, can benefit the patient too. And do you think that sort of
1: stuff can help with anxiety and depression as well? Because I know that that's very common, uh, Mm. especially once you get, you know, once you get a, a little bit further along the journey, then sometimes that can kick in, can't it?
0: Definitely. I, I read some paperwork saying that perhaps um, up to 80% of people who have surgical procedures could be depressed for up to 21 days afterwards and then, then that will clear. But the unfortunate thing, particularly if people are having surgery, maybe surgery on their colon or even for skin cancer um, or, or breast surgery, you know, sometimes back-to-back breast surgery if they've performed a lumpectomy and then had to go on and do a mastectomy or a lymph clearance, um, that they don't get over that initial depression before or, or fatigue before they're now having, um, you know, ongoing treatment for potentially months more um and so definitely using some of the herbs are a great place place to start um we have to obviously go cautiously herbs like st john's wort and the ones that we may traditionally think of as like the keystone herbs for depression we don't use um but definitely looking at ways um we can incorporate other herbs and nutrients in and then always recommending the lifestyle things you know integrative oncology um as it's seen in some of the cancer um hospitals in in america and canada there's a um cancer hospital called cancer centers of america um and uh sloan catering memorial hospital they use this integrative system um with paths as part of their standard care and and in that integrative team you'd be using yoga um you know maybe art therapies music therapies um support groups all of those things and i do encourage my patients to look into those avenues if that's something that they might be open to as a way of you know letting go of some of those anxiety and depression symptoms and perhaps finding a new an, um, avenue to channel their emotional health into one of my um, favourite and longest oncology patients. Um, really felt a lot of, um, I guess, comfort and happiness from um, working alongside girls who had been recently diagnosed with breast cancer because she had spent 15 years in that journey. Um, and, um, you know, it helped her uh, and and it also helped the people that she was working with.
1: Yeah, I love that. I really love that. That's is she still around?
0: No, unfortunately, she passed away just recently wow. after a fifteen-year battle. So that was a tough one. Wow, um, and, and something new for me to to work through. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I certainly think she left a massive legacy um, in lots of different ways by by helping a lot of people and certainly put in a a, a very big fight. Um, and you know, she she was a, a big um, encouraging um, life kind of for me as I developed my practice and certainly having been through um, numerous rounds of chemo with uh, and without natural therapies, she, she was a big fan of what we could do. And, and one of the things that um, I said you know, on reflection of her passing was, look, I think that she, she missed her time and there will be a time when you know she would have got to see what she wanted to see happen, which was definitely even more integration um, of what we do and, and what the standard care is
1: yeah I've always said that that as a practitioner like your patients are often your biggest teachers and and never would that be more evident than in in that sort of role
0: no uh, yeah we had a a lot of discussions and and learned a lot from each other and uh yeah certainly very sad to see see that one going
1: yeah now I'm pretty sure that uh, pretty much everyone has experienced a time when a relative or friend was going through cancer diagnosis and treatment because it just touches so many people. It can be really hard emotionally for those who are in the caring and supporting role, uh, looking after their loved ones. What advice do you have for someone listening to this who's going through the role of the carer or the support person right now?
0: Uh, Go see a naturopath. Um, Look, I often have the the, um, patient sitting there who's having, um, you know, whatever round of chemo they're up to or whatever part of the process they are and beside them is usually one or two. Um, very faithful uh, family members or loved ones who who look bedraggled and perhaps like they should be the one that I'm speaking to, and I will often take the opportunity at the end to ask them to make sure they look after themselves. So, you know, yeah, sling them not, some adrenal herbs. Oh, totally, <laughs> you know, there has been a time when there's piped up and said I think I need some of that so yeah I mean I encourage them to go and see someone certainly to access the support that's available through their GP as far as counselling and and learning how to be a carer because I think you know we all know how to love and support someone but I think it's a a different kettle of fish when you're all of a sudden thrown in the deep end um, to to be the loved one and and the chef who now has to learn how to be a vegan chef um, you know (laughs) who's doling out medication and dealing with someone who's not having a great day so definitely to go see a practitioner and get support themselves, um, and and to be really kind to themselves, and definitely to take some time out um, from the caring to spend some time with other people, and and you know do the simple you know lifestyle interventions that we talk about, like going for a walk or um, you know taking some time out to do something that makes them feel happy, because it can be a very very overwhelming process where where they take on a lot of a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility for keeping that person alive, which I think is sometimes very overwhelming for people. People.
1: yeah I think it is The other thing is is that when someone close to us is ill and we you know obviously the people who are listening to this show are into natural therapies because mm-hmm. like if, if you're not into natural therapies um what are you doing go away <laughs> um, or, or if you're I'll I'll I'll, keep, I'll keep listening, or keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're not into natural It'll therapies, shiny s- the it, stick yeah. around <laughs> but, but let's assume that most people listening to this are kind yeah. of converted. <laughs> So the chances are that if someone close to them has this sort of diagnosis, they might be chomping at the bit to suggest natural remedies or practitioners like, oh, my God, I've got this naturopath. I really want you to go and see her. Um, But sometimes the friend or family member who's actually got the disease might not be open to that yet. So what do we do?
0: Yeah, we. I think we go gently and we watch for the cues and we look at how they're reacting when we're having the conversations. I think diving in and giving them a whole lot of supplements can be overwhelming because you're probably not the only person doing that. And before they know it, they're feeling like, they're, you know, taking everything under the sun. Um, and, and again, not feeling like they can necessarily have a conversation with their oncologist about how he feels about or how she feels about them taking those things so I think, you know, opening up the conversation, are you interested in natural therapies? Would you like me to find someone that can guide us through this? And if they say no, that's fine. You know, I, I, I have um, had patients come in who have been brought in by their care or a loved one because they really want them to go on this journey and, you know, I'll present what options I think are available based on their case, but they may not take that up and that's all right because it's their journey. It, you know, they have to feel comfortable in their journey. And, If they're doing something that stresses them and they don't feel comfortable with it, then, you know, that that research about stress and the effect that stress has on our body and our biochemistry shows that that doesn't improve the outcome. It it reduces the chance of, you know, quality and and quantity of life. So um, anything that causes stress, you know, even going back to that diet, you know, if we make massive changes to people's diet and that stresses them out, they're not getting better, they're getting worse from the stress. And at least that integrating oncologist that I met recommend um, mentioned she uh recommends this chart to show patients that really shows that you know the processes from a very scientific point of view that then lead to that cancer cell and what it does to the immune system um and how how much it increases inflammation and then that, that we want to go to any length we can to avoid that so really just listening to what your your loved one's journey is and just being guided by that
1: yeah I love that that's such amazing advice I love it love it love it love it this is why I got you on the show thank you <laughs> now hon you're based on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria but you also see clients via Skype mm-hmm. how can people get in touch with you
0: Ah, uh, yeah so visit the um, Peninsula Herbal Dispensary uh, website which is just peninsulaherbaldispensary.com.au um or my site that's just about to be launched which will be Carla Wren um W-R-E-N-N um uh, .com.au. And, yeah, look, I'm open to have discussions with people. Certainly um, quite often we have a chat before patients come in or before we Skype, um, a little communication via email or I'm happy to get messages via um, my Facebook page um, because, you know, you do have to feel comfortable with the practitioner and sometimes people's expectations about what I might be able to offer are different to what I offer. You know, I often get asked what I can do to cure cancer and it's certainly not an, um, a word that we are allowed to use or that we want to use. Um, you know I go along the um, aims of what we can do you know that is informed and that we can use alongside conventional medicine or or whatever stage they are in the journey you know to enhance the treatments or reduce the side effects or you know improve their long-term health and and well-being sometimes people don't even want help with cancer you know I have had cases where women um, want to look fabulous for their son's wedding and they just want to lose some weight and have nice skin you know and and to naturopaths where we kind of had that tendency where we want to fix everything um (laughs) we dealt we delve in with the i get the functional medicine timeline and i'm asking them about what happened when they're a teenager and what their hormonal cycle was like and you know how their breast cancer could have possibly developed and they're just looking at me like you don't get it you know i want to be skinny for my son's wedding and so we can do that you know it's just meeting where the person is and and going along and i'm often a discussion um is welcome before a consultation to check we're on the same path
1: yeah very very wise advice indeed now i'll pop that uh website link into the show notes along with your facebook page and all of that Um, Carla, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for your bravery in, (laughs) in it, in addressing what is a very emotive and very controversial topic, especially in natural health circles. So bloody good on you. Seriously, woman, you are amazing. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me and keep doing your shows. Yay, I will. Inspiring listening for me too. (laughs) Thanks, hon. Thank you.
1: Some really valuable insights there from Carla Wren on cancer care. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and found it helpful. If you're new around here, hello, welcome. Click subscribe because I've got plenty more amazing health and wellness peeps coming your way and some really cool topics coming up and you don't want to miss out. Also, go and check out my website. It's over at julesgalloway.com. It's chock full of health info, yummy recipes, and some really cool freebies, including a brand new dessert recipe book and a guide to healing adrenal fatigue. So that's over at julesgalloway.com now. I hope you tune in again next week. In the meantime, stay shiny and bye for now.